Hello and welcome to Enough Flicker, a podcast where things look bigger underwater as we discuss. <laughs> well, I, I was not cast to play Charmaine. Um, where things look bigger underwater as we discuss the greatest television show of all time, The Golden Girls. I'm Lauren. And I'm Sarah. <laughs> yes, you, of course, you're better at it. Um, and today we're tackling the 123rd episode in the series, Sisters and Other Strangers. Well, listen, I was relying on you to do Charmaine because I was going to do Magda. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah. You know, I'm not really an impressionist, though. So it's, <laughs> yeah. it's I feel like Magda, Magda is pretty close to, I mean, Czechoslovakia is fairly close to Hungary. So it's pretty close to Laszlo. <laughs> yeah, very. Right. Which you're famously good at. Yeah. <laughs> Who sleeps with government officials? <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty good. It's also a little, um, one of my favorite drag queens is Katya, and I got a little Katya from there, so. Oh, man, I cannot tell you how fucking excited I am about this episode. I really am. I love this episode. Me too. My first note is that this is definitely my top 10, maybe my top five episodes of all time. I honestly, I I think the same. I'm not sure about top five for me, but maybe top eight, first or seven. All right, well, that's respectable. (laughs) I think part of it is because one, the A and B stories both are equally strong. And two, they're both equally fun. (laughs) They're extremely fun. Both of them are very, very fun. And they, the fact that they actually overlap in a bookstore, right? Talking about books is like, is wonderful. Like another bonus point. And it's just, ah, oh, it's magnificent all around. It's great. The tie-in is so, is like yeah. Chef Kiss. Exactly, um, exactly. It's really great. Uh, um, and not before, only that, I mean, we're going to, I'm sure we will delve into communism, development revolution, all of, all of that, because wow, there's a lot to say. <laughs> And Slurpees. Yeah, we got, we got everything. Oh man, I know. <laughs> um, before we really get into it, I just want to quickly shout out uh, an account on Instagram that I have really been enjoying. Um, and I think a lot of Golden Girls fans have, and it's uh, Shady Pines Ma 85. Um, oh, yeah. And it's run by our friend Charlie, who messaged us specifically about this episode. Um, and I think- Charlie? Charlie, is that you? <laughs> who ate all the cantaloupe? Um <laughs> But anyway, you should go follow that account. Um, And Charlie, hope you like this episode. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Um, What did Charlie have to say about this episode? Uh, Just that he really likes it. He said that he's really excited for us to get to it because um, there's a lot to unpack, which is right as we just said. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So can we we take it from the top? (laughs) Take it from the top. So musical. (laughs) Play or die, record or die. Um, Okay, so this, we are so deep into this series, obviously closer to the end than the beginning, but like the the character of Sofia Petrillo is so well-written, so well-known, so well-played by Estelle Getty that there there is a slew of audience anticipation giggles before she even speaks. It's legendary. Like that is an incredible mark of like a successful character and actress, but just like a comedian, right? Like it's, you can, we always talk about this show and doing so much with gestures and movement and just like non-speech, but the fact that like, she doesn't even do anything remarkable. Dorothy asks her to take a taste and she just tastes something and ponders it. That is the most (laughs) 
fucking pedestrian action that somebody could take and the audience is dying of anticipation because they just know she's gonna say something amazing and i think that's incredible i mean i watched it again because it's just like it's just oh it's it's amazing it's amazing. yeah it's like it's like theater acting almost you know like Estelle is. is from the theater which we know but like and to have that kind of talent and to be playing the same character in like you know because like normally you're in a play so it's like the same or a, a musical and it's yeah. like the same story but like you have to develop in a different way but I guess to be able to apply like that kind of high intensity bonding with your character to like knowing the audience knows her too I just I feel like it's a real you're right like it's a total it really captures her incredible talent which like I think she doesn't she doesn't get overshadowed like she's Sophia she's funny but like I think when you talk about like acting chops, she's not always at the top, but this scene, oh yeah, I think just suits that. Oh, it's amazing. It's so great. Maybe just a drop more disinfectant. I mean, it's- Dorothy <laughs> <laughs> as a bad cook is like a running theme. Totally. I know it's kind of funny of like the whole like, well, Sophia, that's your own damn fault, right? It's like, did you not teach her and you just let her rely on you? I mean, what, do you what do you want from her, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um. I, I really, so I, I think it's funny, like, I don't really, um, really, I don't really buy the conceit of, like, the Stan cousin coming to Dorothy thing, right? Because it's right. not like Why? an Michelangelo situation where he thinks they're still married, like, um, and it's sort of like, I, I just, you know, again, Dorothy's just getting walked all over, right? We actually don't even see Stan in this episode, which is funny because like when you first watch it, you think he's going to show up at some point, right? But it's totally just like getting pawned off. Yeah. And it's interesting. I thought that it comes from, it comes from Stan. Like why, why do you think they made her Stan's cousin? I don't know. I mean, first why not of all, just like- law and lost some weird cousin connected to somebody in Sicily I don't know well I guess they were like oh like we've established pretty heavily that the whole family's Italian and like there's a couple hey, lines that's across fair. but that's not fair. that um but also like Stan if the line is the- crossed it's on a goat uh <laughs> exactly you know, uh, um I don't know Stan's always causing your problems I feel like there's a little bit of like talk about how his family's rough around the edges to be gentle yeah, that's um fair. that's fair so I guess it kind of adds up. And also like, yeah, why would she need to stay with Dorothy? Which is, again, still makes no sense at all. But like, she needs somewhere to stay. What are they going to yeah. do? Please don't hold it against me. <laughs> right. She's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's okay. Um, yeah, it is It is just like a funny conceit, but then everything goes up from there. I, I love that they get frustrated with her. You know, I love <laughs> Sophia goes, Flora, the red menace. <laughs> yeah, every comedy joke is funny. Oh my God, every comedy joke is amazing. Yeah, like, you know, get rid of, what do you want me to do? Get rid of her? Yeah, while you're at it, ditch the comedy. <laughs> like, it's, they're all so great. They're so magnificent. So it is funny, like, it's like, I love that the conceit becomes that Dorothy has to put up with this person. She's too nice of a person to actually kick her out, both at the outset of when she says, I'm going to stay here with you, which is like, okay, <laughs> like a little bit, a little pushy there, as well as like not pulling Stan into it to be like, no, fuck you. you like, you need to take your own cousin who you agreed to take in, you dumb shit. But also at the end, like she's too kind to like then kick her out. But I love that it becomes this like 
tirade of like Dorothy, like capitalism, like over, like winning over communism. It's just like, it's such a rah-rah USA storyline, you know, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this yeah. wall. You know, I mean, it's like <laughs> so over the top and in this way that, you know, Kate Brown talked a lot about patriotism um, as a Debbie Macy. And like, it's just like, there's a really interesting like dynamic here. <laughs> yeah, no. And I think that again, to just like hold this episode up, the fact that that is so present and like a pillar, I would say of this episode. And we Absolutely. both really like it really I know, speaks I think, something. to the other parts of the episode. Cause right. yeah, it's it so like comedy. Yeah. It's worse than when Dorothy's like, you put an American flag in my hand, you know, it's like, I would say her <laughs> biggest like grandstanding moment. Um, and it's very of the time and it's very like, yeah, we've established like Dorothy has a patriotism streak that I think is real and, and like understandable oh, of, a, of a world war two kid, you know, right. I mean, totally. Very, Children of immigrants. Yeah. yeah. But like, yeah, it's so cheesy. It's like, <laughs> Like I I constantly think of the line of like where she's like people are all over the world are realizing communism doesn't work you know and it's like it's so interesting right because they wrote this episode just weeks after the wall fell and it's like it's it's very clear that that's the point they're trying to make here right like tackling a um a a present day story right but um I would I I will say just like let's get into it right now I am by no means a communism capitalism scholar whatsoever but i do from like from from a young age i was always you know i remember the wall coming down on television my kitchen like watching my parents watching tv during dinner which was not something that we did um and like obviously hearing about all of this and people being like oh yeah it was communism and it failed and i was just like but it sounded kind of dictator like it didn't sound didn't sound like the pure communism that like Marx was talking about, right? That like people in college learned about. And it's actually interesting. I pulled up an interesting article um, from uh, two economics professors, uh, Richard Wolf and Stephen Resnick. Apparently they wrote a book um, talking about like class theory and history, capitalism and communism in the USSR. And their argument is like, it's actually like what they did dub like state capitalism. It's not actually like, true communism because under a true communist system like the workers would control all of the aspects of production right like that is the actual definition the marxist definition of communism but like they after the like they had the revolution basically the bolsheviks like decided that there would be like a layer of state managers to like operate the means of production in the name of the people but the problem is like that that was still the government making the decision, right? So it right. was like, actually, like, that's not how it happened. <laughs> so what was really, really interesting is like, they kind of like it, it communism kind of got started, right? But like, then on a mass scale, it just did not fit the actual definition. So what what's really interesting of like, you know, the the whole like farmers starving and like other things like that, that all came from like these tough decisions, right? Like that you're reestablishing a country, like trying to like do this. But I think what's interesting is like in the US narrative, you're like, see, communism doesn't work. I mean, it reminds me today of like Republicans in America being like, 
can you believe this is this is under communism the bread lines and dirty water and you're like yeah there are fucking bread lines and dirty water here because of capitalism you're like you're just yes you're just like labeling things socialism and communism that actually are byproducts of capitalism so anyway it's just like it's just really messy so it's anyway i always hear Dorothy's like very like purist you know black and white like it's communism v capitalism and like all this stuff and then you know there's that hilarious line where she's like of course you hate communism ma you were raised a fascist <laughs> yeah that's a good one <laughs> it's really great but um anyway like almost everything in life like it's a real gray area so I just wanted to point that out especially because like I I actually really do believe that the workers should own the means of production. I support unions. I support a lot of like communist theory. And I think that like, it's just very unfair to just be like, well, the US is the way to go. Capitalism, rah, rah, rah. And I also think I'm I'm on a roll here. I like it. I also think the part that I have the biggest problem about, uh, which is that um, when Magda, who I really like, where she does her whole thing. She's like, my people will read all these books and be confused. Like I get, I get it in theory, but like how infantilizing to the people right. of Czechoslovakia and the USSR, like, come on, man. Yeah, it's pretty. <laughs> it's like, that's, that is like an American mouthpiece right there. Right. And like that, that shit is hilarious. So um, anyway, the end. Wow. <laughs> So Sarah's a communist. Meanwhile, I love it here in the U.S. of A. President of Home. <laughs> oh, man. Um, apologies to the NSA or CIA, who was ever on now. Um, no, but I, wait, so I have a question for you about that, actually, because I, that's super interesting. And I think, like, does, do you think that, like, so we assume, I think, actually, this is maybe a two-part question, but like, I think Dorothy believes the narrative of communism from the U.S. government because that's, it's like such a strong sort of like propaganda thing. Like they're calling yeah, something I mean, communism. How else that would isn't. anybody else know? Yeah. Right. But I guess like, do you think, I don't know. I guess it feels a little bit un-Dorothy in 2022, probably not un-Dorothy in 1990 to like research that a little bit more right like so I guess that that's like what I'm trying to get at like do you think that she doesn't have any other reason to not right yeah that's the thing right there has been for Dorothy in this show specifically Dorothy would be the one who would you know quote unquote dig a little deeper and find out that like things are lies (laughs) but it like she it's really in the things that she sees with her own eyes and has exposure to like anybody else, right? Like you have to have some seeds of doubt and exposure to a different idea to then dig into it. I think if she did have exposure to a different idea and you didn't have Magda being like, I only want to read one book, you know, like then, right. then you'd, yeah, she'd probably have a little bit more of a fucking dialogue. Right. Um, because honestly, what Magda's doing is just preaching as hard as Dorothy's preaching, right? They're not actually exchanging ideas so much. And we'll get to Thomas Paine in a minute. In a minute. What but, a um, crazy choice. Yeah. I don't think, you know, I think like Dorothy in terms of education, she works on the system. She sees what it's really like versus what Reagan and especially Bush say, you know, um, nursing homes, old people, like finances. These are things that she has personal 
relationships with and like you know they change their tune on homelessness when they go to a homeless shelter like there there's a lot of like with new information and input uh they change their minds or at least like understand that they're basically being lied to <laughs> right know, by, by shitty conservatives but i think that in this particular case it's so far removed and Magda does not play one Magda arrives at her doorstep already having quote unquote lost. Right. Right. And then two, like there's no other reason that Magda or anybody else presents that communism's better. Right. Because again, Magda's like, you know, Oh, I almost got, you know, electricity. (laughs) Like it's just like, like, it's just totally like a um, over the top, like ham fisted, like, the American capitalist perspective on what it's actually like. And I'm not saying that there weren't problems and people didn't have electricity and then food. Like there were really fucked up things that happened, but it's not as black and white as like, if you have communism, this happens to you. Right, yeah. <laughs> so, but that's a really good point. Cause like Dorothy would be the one to like dig a little deeper and like try to actually decipher things. But obviously that's not what this episode's about. Right, well, kind of it is because, um, you know, I think like, it's an important thing to discuss because yeah it's like it, it feels oh, I meant from the perspective of the writers though right no exactly that yeah. so they're yeah they're like almost it's almost satire like I think like it's like they're the writers are pretty progressive obviously socially and yeah. politically but like I do think it just kind of speaks to the time that like nobody who was actually was going to be arguing for communism frankly was going to be in a writer's room like this and be like out about it you know like so um not that like nbc was going to let them do it <laughs> exactly right that's what i mean like i feel right maybe they'll talk about yeah. it like amongst their workers but it's not getting on tv yeah exactly um so yeah okay so let's talk about the <laughs> the dogs and, and barbed wire on the cake um yes yes the, so the Czech Revolution actually uh, is also known as the Velvet Revolution or, the, or a Gentle Revolution, um, and it was a nonviolent transition of power in what was then Czechoslovakia, um, and that happened in November of 1989, which is really interesting because this episode is airing in March 1990, so like yeah. this it, even particular thing is super fresh, so you know for a lot of people I feel like also I'm sure the depiction of or like what average Americans thought about the Czech revolution, I bet was like what Rose thought because like we couldn't imagine sort of like a, you know, something like that being peaceful, especially when um, the Soviet Union's involved. So I actually think that is them, you know, sort of like presenting, like educating people, I guess, more than like the communism thing, which is like trying to spoon feed capitalist propaganda to people. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Oh my God. Oh, yeah. So, um, <laughs> but it was a peaceful revolution. There was no barbed wire. There were right. no dogs. Despite that A plus cake decorating. <laughs> really dumb. <laughs> yeah. I know. Exactly. Like, very, very exciting. Um, I really, really love the um, beginning, too. I just want to talk about the first scene. Well, we can, well, let me ask you this Do we want to, do we want to fully separate the B stories? from the a story or we want to jump around or we want to no we can we can we can separate and then tie in at the very end as they do okay sounds good well let's continue with flora the red menace um (laughs) the um 
the line, the Rose line, of course, like, well, sure, there are iniquities, but at least we treat everyone the same is a really Very Rose. fabulous, fabulous line, more so than you can even imagine, because it like feels like the double talk of the United States in terms of what we supposedly stand for and then what we actually do. It's like, <laughs> like too it's real. Like, yeah. Oh, it's too real, right? It's like incredible. So um, I'd also love to know what, like, did, did like Slurpee sponsor this episode? <laughs> like, I don't know, but it makes you want to GD Slurpee every time. Oh my God, every that. single time, right? Even if you have brain freeze, like it's pretty crazy. Uh, um, it's just hilarious. It's mentioned like three times. And it's really, I don't know. I yeah, maybe Seven Eleven bought like an ad spot or something. <laughs> exactly. It's amazing. Um, okay, but going back into the whole books thing, right? So <laughs> Dorothy recommends... Thomas Paine's Common Sense, uh, as well as Vanna White's autobiography. Um, Thomas Paine, I, I looked him up and like, he's not a communist per se. Um, he's also a little bit before the, the time of Marx, not that ideologies did not, you know, exist back then, but he did fully support a social welfare state. I will say yeah. that. <laughs> he did. I read Common Sense, actually. You, um, you mean for this episode? Uh, yeah, yeah, I really did my own work. Um, and the thing is that like, yeah, I was going to say that, like, it's interesting that Dorothy recommended that book because that's not like, I don't know, she's not giving her a copy of the constitution, you know, it's like, it, it is. Or like the wealth of nations. by episode. Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> Bar is very low, but I like know. Thomas Paine, like, yeah, they argue for a, a, um, you know, like more social welfare and like more of a safety net and also like Which, to be a fair, strong national government. Yeah, yeah. But I just like, you know, the way it's been spun, I think particularly um, in like modern times is like the founding fathers were all one, you know, like they all had the same idea. And also like, we definitely should honor a bunch of white dudes from 1770s oh who owned slaves and didn't believe women should vote like I don't or know why we care what property, they think at all or people right. who weren't white or yeah <laughs> right. I mean come on. certainly not like they were all pretty much bad but you know mm-hmm. like the narrative that like they were all republicans today's republicans is not true correct correct exactly exactly yeah so anyway I just it's it's really hilarious to me that like that like she has these recommendations so also um there is a post on enough wicker of like talking about <laughs> vanna white's autobiography um if it actually is really as good as they say and it's not <laughs> you'll have to see the reviews to find out for yourself <laughs> i i mean well a spoiler alert like i looked up all the reviews on goodreads and people are like oh my god <laughs> Um, is Vanna White's autobiography, autobiography really a hell of a book? And it's not really a hell of a book. It, there Elsa are Freeze. actually people, it has a 3.01 rating currently on um, Goodreads, but five, 29 reviews and one, 131 ratings. Well, if you're reading Vanna White's autobiography, you're doing it for two reasons. One, because you like it, or two, because you fucking saw this episode. And if you actually like read um, the reviews like people who wrote wrote things yeah <laughs> people are like i read this because of dorothy dorothy's Bornack. but there are so many fucking funny reviews one review is two stars it says i have no idea why i read this book <laughs> another review is one star and it just says good god <laughs> that actually kind of intrigues me <laughs> i mean i'm 
so like, I'm thinking about three stars. I'm thinking about starting a bookshelf called Books I Hate to Admit I Read, much less liked. And this one would have to go on it. What can well, I Wow, okay, so she liked it. I know, but only she three stars. It. <laughs> it's interesting and nice to see that she can and does do more than just turn letters, like speaking about infantilizing. Jesus yeah. Christ. <laughs> So she told Magda to read it. <laughs> oh, God. All right, just one more and then I'll stop. If it were 1987 and Vanna White's at the height of her powers, I can understand why this book exists. You do not need to read it in 2020. <laughs> well, why? That I don't accept. <laughs> She's no, still on the show. <laughs> because people, I know, it's true, but people were like, I'm sure because all of her, you know, vignettes or whatever the fuck she talks about in there, which apparently is not hot gossip or anything fun, um, are very dated. So Right, anyway. I imagine. I don't believe that she is it's very funny yeah (laughs) exactly and it's extremely funny that they just like picked that away to be like you know just basically to give her this like backhanded (laughs) (laughs) comrade it's so great um i think the uh the only other uh mention that i want to uh talk about in the the magda story storyline before we get to the the book scene (laughs) is that um when like Sophia just goes, I hope it's deaf. <laughs> and the door goes. Oh my god. Answer it's it, really Rose. Wonderful. Yeah, it's so great. So great. Um yeah, I have a couple. So I want to bring up um a couple things that I have where Magda is right. One is that Slurbies are really good. And her criticisms of America, which I think is also an interesting choice, is like they're all pretty true. Like the rich do take advantage of the poor. And I think um, the way it's presented is is definitely sort of like elementary, but like the idea that somebody who grew up in um, like in, you know, quote unquote communist rule, that they would be sort of freaked out by this idea that you can go to one place and have conflicting opinions all around you. And like that, think that that would lead to chaos. Like there's something there like that that's doesn't, true that's true you know like that feels like kind of relatable and understandable that somebody would have that but yeah like the way it's presented is so it's just so sort of like simplified yeah you're right um, it's, like, it's like the benevolent the benevolent dictator problem right like you right. want the dictator to put forth your ideology until it's no longer your ideology <laughs> right exactly like, yeah it's like the it's mess like a, the mess of democracy i get it as we're yeah. witnessing right now Exactly. And that's, I think Free like that's speech a- and people think that, oh God, I don't even want to get into it. You all know what it's like out there. Fuck. Um, but I think that what is interesting is that we, we take that and then like, you know, George Bush, George W. Bush, that, those types, like they really run with that. And like, I feel like that's like a direct, like they hate us for our freedom. Like it's different, but it's like, it's, there's a, like a root of truth to the idea that people fear freedom and then we as american messaging just like blow the hell out of it you know to like tap into people's worst ideals and like like rose says she was raised to hate communists which like yeah she was because people had no idea what one communist communism really was and two that like it was an option to say capitalism is flawed and america is flawed like it just like wasn't <laughs> right, a right. message you know um and yeah so Again, i wanted to gray area everyone exactly yeah <laughs> it doesn't I make for to... good tv and punchy lines but <laughs> <laughs> to um just like piggyback off of what you said and it's like 
Well, I'm not saying that communism, I think like that's the thing is like communism and capitalism are both like polar ends of the spectrum and they're always complicated and they always like have issues. And so like, I feel like that gray area is sort of what we're, we're missing. And like, I feel pretty strongly that capitalism is really just like all the way bad, but I'm sure you could show me things that are like, okay, yeah, like, you're right, there is some innovation that comes out of it, sure. Yeah. Like, and that's the point, like, with communism, like, there, of course, are going to be, even if you're Rose, there's going to be some good things there, and there's going to be some complications with its implementation, and I just think, like, we're not at this point on network TV, to be fair, like, having that dialogue at all. If you like yeah. communism, you're bad. That's it. Like, you we're know, not, and it's just such a having the dialogue on TV today. Like, fuck that. Jesus Christ. If anything, I feel like the, the media is less nuanced, you know, in terms of like being like, we can have a capitalistic economy with a social welfare state. That's socialism, you know, and like all of the blended sort of combinations that people who are actually trying to create a good system for everybody are trying to experiment with as opposed right. to like pure capitalism and just like fuck the poor you know so anyway yeah it's a uh, it's a lot of garbage out there yeah <laughs> but- i think there's more representation of like people being you know like the dsa who's whatever like they're one piece of it but like i think people are more right, but on, on the socialists or typical them typical news media is right i mean that's true yeah i'm like you don't have dan rather anymore like talking about shit we've got like right breaking news like a cow is loose in central park or like everything is breaking news that makes absolutely no sense so right (laughs) here's what a republican said that's a total lie but we're going to reprint it right in the headline because we're not doing our job support local journalism (laughs) oh god anyway (laughs) okay now speaking of uh (laughs) I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to Charmaine. Who oh, Charmaine. Barbara Babcock is the guest star. She is absolutely spectacular. I mean, there, you know, it's always great when we get a Blanche uh, family member, but like, I don't know. She she might be, I think she tops even Clayton for me in terms of like a Blanche family member and Big Daddy like in terms of like the best guest star and like such a perfect foil for who Blanche Devereaux is um I love it and and (laughs) yet like so similar I think it's interesting like Virginia definitely reads like much older sister to me um like their dynamic and her just like the the way the way actress is dressed and whatever but like Charmaine there's like there is some sister damage in there and yeah I think they do such a good job with that dynamic and there is certainly with Virginia too but with Charmaine it feels more competitive and like they were more similar um and I think this actress like feels very very blanche like in her delivery and like the way she walks in like her confidence I don't know it's so um it's a really it reminds me a lot of um like Lenny Green you know like the ability to pick that up just it's going to incredible. say it's totally like the Lenny Green Dorothy thing. Uh, it's a, I was literally she picks up her mannerisms, her affect, everything. And again, I like to your point, I love Virginia, but I think it's like it the way she plays it is 
an older, more removed sibling, even the, right. with the rivalry. Exactly. But yeah, oh my god, it's just it's just wonderful. I mean, and from the be- very beginning, before we even see her, of like how they're not speaking, and Rose is like, "How'd you know it was her on the other end of the line?" is such a great joke. <laughs> it's so, such a solid joke. <laughs> I love it so much. Um, but I just, it's also really funny. So, you know, talking about, obviously she wrote a book and all this, um, Vic's the story of a woman. Uh, they, um, Jamie Wooten, the, the writer was like, they were talking about, um, how like the props department made the cover, <laughs> which is really great. And they, um, they, you know, it was just like hilarious. Let me, let me actually just read verbatim here. They, they were like, we put it on a, uh, as a book jacket over a copy of the Mary Wilson memoir, dream girl. My life is a Supreme. Which is gay. <laughs> he goes, which is pretty gay. And after all, only gay men could come up with an arcane word like vixen in the first place. <laughs> so true. Oh my God. It's incredible. Um, but so the, so what's really funny is the um that the in in Jim Colucci's book of course is what I'm reading the the bible what I'm reading from Barbara Babcock also is is here and she was saying like you know even if two great actors are matched sometimes your rhythm is different and she was seemingly kind of worried like because they were both doing southern accents but like she was like we me and Rue were like immediately in sync like it was perfect which is obviously you could you could see that right like so she just talks about how she and rue worked really well together and spoiler alert to the end where they have that hilarious gag where they look up (laughs) and there's a mirror on blanche's ceiling um they actually both came up with that together in rehearsal that wasn't even a writer so classic it's such a gag it's incredible yeah but like what's so great is like to your point of like how alike the characters are and how she picks up the rue vibes is that they, they they could sort of like have that dance uh, and work well, but also that they could come up with like, oh, this is the kind of a gag that these sisters would do that matches Blanche's bedroom, right? Like that's yeah. kind of cool for a guest star to like participate it's, in some writing. It's really cool. It's almost like, it's not quite, I guess, like on the spot, but it's sort of improv-y, which I also Absolutely. feel like the show really doesn't do very often. No, not um, at all. Not at all, which is really, it's really impressive. So Yeah, anyway. yeah, they work so well together. And I think like the... I don't know. Charmaine is just like such a good character, even on her own. Um, because I think, I mean, this is the sense I got anyway, that she really has built a very nice life for herself. Like yeah. she's got some similar damage to Blanche, I think. Like the pocket watch seems to really be important. Um, but like, you know, she wrote a book. Like she's doing well. She's confident. She's like happy with who she is. And it doesn't feel like sinister at all from her even even like like shoving it in in Blanche's face you know like I don't get any of that from her um which I think is also really really we love Blanche with her siblings and her family like her she can't not have the thought that like something was taken from her or like Charmaine is out to get her in some way so I wonder if Blanche is what her zodiac sign is I continue to (laughs) get some Scorpio vibes there (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's amazing um so all right so yeah to talk about having your life together right like she wrote a book 
which is pretty awesome, right? And like the, <laughs> I just love the signed book and like the fact that she's like booked a book tour. She's like, yeah, right? The, like what? It's hilarious. Will this make it harder to exchange? Um, <laughs> but like, that's pretty impressive. Like whatever, even if it's like worse than Vanna White's autobiography, like who, who cares? Like that's an accomplishment in and of yourself. And that's not something that, you know, Blanche tried to write a children's book. <laughs> right and she tried to write a book I mean, it made no fucking sense. <laughs> yeah um but the book tour is interesting because like I get the sense that this is like a romance novel yeah. and this isn't you know we're not not Danielle Steele although it does seem to sort of hold into Blanche's interest um so like the fact that she's doing a book tour okay sure it's a little bit of a stretch but fine um and Although, I just you got like, the right agent, you know, the right publisher. I guess. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, and yeah, apparently it's very appealing. Grabbed it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you were an utter filth. <laughs> that's a great scene. It's so oh. like silly and so like I know low brow, but I like it. I also love that Sophia and Magda fight over the copy of the book, and there's like 17 copies behind them. They're <laughs> like, okay, yeah. yes. <laughs> it's really hilarious. <laughs> It's so um, good. anyway the the like disgust that Blanche has like, like the fact that like Blanche and Charmaine get along and then immediately after where they're basically like she's like oh now I have to read the book you know <laughs> like she's like she's just already pessimistic because she knows how their relationship goes I think it's really fucking funny um and of course like the fighting over big daddy in the pocket watch like I just love that like Blanche any excuse to just be like oh you're dragging our family name through the mud that's it you can't get it <laughs> like it's like so perfect and like such a metaphor for he loved me best you know right the sober will <laughs> yeah. also, a lot of nods to big daddy having some pretty uh, heavy issues um issues yeah and oh my god her um Charmaine's face when she's like no this was the sober will like she yeah. does such a great job of being like i've been around forever like this character <laughs> is somebody you feel like you've met before yeah and we know big daddy had two wills um yeah i um something he said made me want to, oh when blanche is like when she's like oh i was looking on the bright side like i'll have to yeah. tell her if it's bad like she's still even though they're reconciled and they're friends and they're really actually enjoying each other's presence, which like is a surprise, I think she can want her to succeed. It just isn't possible. Yeah. Yeah, Which is so like, that's some real character depth there um, by the writers. And, and I think like the way that Rue expresses it, it's just so like palpable. It's so true. But what's so interesting about this relationship as always with with Blanche's family is that like it's written so realistically because just like we talk about how essentially like Blanche and Dorothy have the same argument numerous times over the course of like the seven seasons and their relationship being realistic right that's very realistic it's extremely realistic that two things can be true one that Blanche cannot let go and still be petty while also simultaneously acknowledging at the end with her sister of like why they don't get along and why they choose to be petty, right? Like they actually have a fair amount of introspection about how they're so alike that that's probably 
the problem, right? Right. And like, they both sort of like recommit to trying. I'd like to try. But at the same time, they both kind of fucking know it's never going to (laughs) end. Like, this is real childhood shit, right? Like, and like, uh, apart from them, like working on it together and living in exactly the same town, you are going to fall back in those same patterns every time this comes up. Right. I just but think I, it's really fun to acknowledge it is that, fun. that both things can be true. Yeah, totally. And I think you're right. Like, I think they can make a commitment to try to be nicer or like not yeah. go into the next interaction, assuming the worst. But yeah, like when those, when the tapes play, the old tapes play, like you can't, you can't oh, help it. It's, it's totally there. Um, yeah, they're, they're, it's such a really great casting and chemistry I just like can't get over it how similar they are like they're sisters it's so great it's so great um the uh the the part where she's like she's still your sister don't you think you should talk to her no (laughs) like the way Blanche barks no is like so she's so short she's so petulant you know it's like uh like I said before about the pocket watch like any fucking excuse she's just like this book is about me and yet she thinks it's her and yet it's too much filth to be like dragging down the family name. It's just, everything is like so hilarious and hypocritical. Yeah. It's so over the top. And like Charmaine, like charging down the hallway to get the pocket watch. It's like. Turns so over the hall. The yeah. <laughs> it's so good. It's so rude, but so, so good. good. You think you're the only one that wakes up to smiles and roses? <laughs> Which is hilarious. I just love the sisters discussing their sex life. Like, you were the first. <laughs> the stamp maid. Yeah, it's like... Yeah. Oh, God. She The way she's brushing her hair out of her eyes, like her bangs. Yeah. Like, Rhoda Hella had a stamp maid. Oh, we can God. see it. Oh, yeah. I know. You can just see it. Like, that's so perfect. Um, but yeah, it's, it's magnificent. And I also just love, like, you know, talking about embellishment. She's like, of course, that's what makes it fiction. <laughs> like, yeah. Never so good. What oh, I know. It's incredible. Um, oh. It's also crazy, like, Blanche, you know, she wouldn't, she wouldn't just ask her. She would just sort of, like, fly off the handle and be like, this is about me. And also, that implies that at some point there was an exchange of information so like are you saying that Charmaine invaded your privacy in some way it just it doesn't it doesn't make any sense that she thinks it but it's just it doesn't have to it doesn't have to be logical something Charmaine did was wrong so she's got to tap it right exactly she just sort of imprints on the situation again because it's so ingrained and it's just really (laughs) it's really fascinating to me but yeah I I like, I wish this could be like some sort of a double episode because like, I just want more of Charmaine. I agree. I love it. I want more Magda too. I mean, yeah, exactly. Oh God. It's so wonderful. But yeah, I mean like just the, the, again, as we talked about, like the two stories coming together in the bookstore is really fucking funny that like Magda is like grabbing Charmaine's book because it's like trashy and spilled with sex. Um, the universal really appeal. <laughs> Exactly. It also has like the fact that like Charmaine's book in Sex Appeals, like, yeah, this vehicle for like a, an unruly mob under capitalism. Exactly. <laughs> to, like break out in a tiny bookstore. Sex it's sells. Really quite telling. <laughs> yeah, it's really, uh, it's magnificent. But, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's incredible. Like the, the surface level comedy that you get while also going fairly deep on you know, communism v. capitalism, as well as like really deep ingrained 
sibling trauma. <laughs> yeah, and Mrs. Doolittle. We haven't even talked about Mrs. Doolittle. Oh my God, love, hilarious. Love to see also, Dorothy behaving like a baby because she never does. And like, I love when she, stuff like that yeah. comes up. Oh my God, it's hilarious. But I have a question though. When she says like she made Mrs. Doolittle make, look like a morphine addict, doesn't she mean amphetamine? Well, eyes kinda, never closed? I think kind of the same thing at the time. But morphine, like morphine is a is a downer, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I assume that it was just like sort of what I think colloquially morphine was used to talk about amphetamines. So yes, I think you are yes. right, but I don't think okay, that got that's it. Was I'm, in the I'm like taking it like I'm taking it very straight, like a no. This <laughs> like is pre dare, so Nancy Reagan's <laughs> just getting started. <laughs> oh my god, Jesus Christ! <laughs> that's what I think. I think that they mean the same thing at this time, even though they actually don't. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Got it. But yeah. Yeah, Dorothy, Dorothy having like taking a stand is hilarious. I also love Magda, like Dorothy, let it go. <laughs> <laughs> With the Slurpee. <laughs> so good. I know the Slurpee. It's just an iconic image. It's really magnificent. Oh God. Perfect. Um, but yeah, but that's what I've got. That's all I've I've got. Uh this is the story from this woman, this victim. Yeah. All I have is um to ask you if you could do when there is one road you know, in the accent. <laughs> Wait, what'd you say? If you could uh, take a shot at when there is one road. Oh, when there's no one road, no one gets lost. <laughs> yeah, that, you know what? I get it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really succinct representation of her views, but I, I needed to hear it. <laughs> the choices were easy. <laughs> That was a little Laszlo. You've been like ping pong between Magda, uh, Laszlo, and the Count from Sesame Street. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I get with a two-year-old in the house, I get way more practice with the Count, let me tell you. So um, it's been a while since I've seen Laszlo. We love the Count. We love Laszlo. Lauren, is this a story about someone getting lost? (laughs) Don't tell (laughs) us. Show us. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Well, Thanks for uh, joining us on this very in-depth scholarly episode. Uh, Join us next time when we discuss whooping cranes, cannoli, and prenatal (laughs) agreements. (laughs) Take care, everybody.